Hello and welcome to the Survivor's Guide to Life on KPCA Petaluma 103.3 FM. I'm Jenny Stevenson, your host, and joining me is Dr. Peter Bernstein. Today we are continuing in our series on how to survive through adversity. Dr. Bernstein, Peter as he likes to be called, is a coach and mentor with almost 50 years of experience helping people survive and grow through trauma, struggles, and hard times, the stuff of real life. The goal of our series is to help you discover what we've experienced, that adversity is more than a trial to endure. It can be an exciting opportunity to learn, grow, and thrive. And we're back here again, Peter. This is Jenny's favorite thing to do, by the way. <laughs> she shines on this, and uh, you got to see it to believe it. It's visual as well. She loves this. And everybody comments on what a great presence she has on the radio. Oh. And they're right. She's just great at it. She loves it. But, you know, I'm listening to this today, and I'm thinking to myself, almost 50 years, 49 years, of working with highly traumatized situations with people, the after effects. And here I am sitting here passionate and turned on about still helping others and finding new and better ways all the time. Whatever I speak about today is something that I've applied to my own life because to have a longevity factor in work, this work as I have means there's been a lot of self-care involved too. And I've had to learn how to do it. Um, but one of the things we haven't, we've been alluding to it in our broadcasts is uh, self-care, how to take care of yourself. But I want to get real specific today. You know, as, as our technician, Steve, was telling me today, he said, this is a diary. And it usually entails things that we've been impacted by in the last week. And he is so absolutely correct. Yes, he is. Well, this week we've been impacted plenty. We've been impacted right up until the moment, basically, that we stepped into the studio. Absolutely. Till the way, time we got onto the mic, almost. Yes. It's coming at us. What's coming at us now is the need that folks have for real-life difficulties is getting, it seems to be growing. Uh, it is growing, generally speaking, in our population, but you know what? It's growing into our life as well. I certainly have my wife that I care about and love, and we're t taking wonderful care of her. It's a, it's a shining example of how this should work under very, very distressing situations. But what we're having is so many people coming to us in real-life difficulty. And uh, it's very moving. It's very emotional. It's very painful. And we do know how to help them. It's true. Um, it doesn't mean, though, that it doesn't affect us. And one of the things we know how to do, and we've learned to do it at the Bernstein Institute for Trauma for a long time, is we make sure we take care of our own. And all people that do this kind of work begin to absorb and resonate with other people's pain and the energy of their pain. We all do it. I spent a lifetime already learning new ways and better ways to make sure that that energy doesn't burden me and impact my life. It doesn't impact my health. It doesn't impact my personal life. And I can enjoy my life and feel very passionate and in love with life. That hasn't changed. I think it's increased and deepened quite a bit. So we've seen in the last week some things that are disturbing. Um, we've seen uh, 
the issue of self-care coming up so much as far as the caregivers that have come to talk to us. Now, there's family caregivers, loved ones. There's the professional caregivers. Um, we've had var a, a variety of situations coming at us, some days, hour after hour, and every one of them is just filled with pain and, and crisis and agony. Well, we can handle it. It's true, but that doesn't mean it doesn't affect us. But what I'm really beginning to look at is how things can go haywire for caregivers. Um, the issue of caring for oneself, knowing how to uh, take care of yourself during these things, that seems to be a foreign... I, I, I know it's emphasized. I know the Redwood, uh, the Redwood uh, Caregivers Resource Center emphasizes it anyway, but it doesn't seem to translate out well enough for a lot of caregivers. When with the people that are coming in to see us are facing very, very difficult situations, right to the end of life. Um, but there's an issue that comes up here that you, you and I and our other staff developed a whole protocol for one year. I was just going to say yeah. that if I could just jump in, um, I would like to kind of expand the idea of who a caregiver is because, like you, like you said, and I want to make everyone... I'm sure they understand. You've been a, a kind of a caregiver for almost 50 years. Mm -hmm. We're talking today specifically about caregivers for people who are uh, in need of care because of, of being disabled or, or disease or in the last stages of life. But people in the helping professions are also caregivers. Absolutely. And people, so are family members. Family members. Uh, yeah. We're talking, I mean, in the work that you've done through the years, you've worked with um Law enforcement, mm -hmm. fire, uh, veterans, these are all people who serve in a way that helps and cares for others mm -hmm. at their own expense mm -hmm. uh, of their own energy, yep. their own emotions, their own time. And they, any job where, where you would describe it as serving, that is a caregiver type role. And there are ways to preserve yourself. And I think through the years you have seen uh, and when you brought up the, the work we did with the VA, how little attention typically is paid in these professions to preserving the person who is serving, giving the care. Uh, there's, a, there's sometimes kind of a macho ethic to it, like I shouldn't need to take care of myself. I should be tough and be able mm -hmm. to handle all this. Mm -hmm. I think that may translate also into the caregiving world that we were specifically talking about here of caring for another person like I should just be able to handle it I, I need to think about them not me and so just to expand this just a bit to know that this is this is a bigger topic you've had many years experience to it but today we are kind of dialing it down into caregiving for someone who needs assistance for uh, whatever reason. To get through a very difficult life, very difficult disease time. situations. Yeah. Well, I hear what you're saying. When you said macho, I want to make sure that it pertains to men and women caregivers. Yes. We've seen that. We had a lovely caregiver from Fiji we interviewed today, and she could, and she is a great lady. And she is, she said, I am a strong woman. Yes. Well, she is. and she, But she just lost the person she's taken care of for the last three years. She's grieving. Four days ago. And she's four days ago. And she's ready to jump into another. Yeah. She considers herself a strong person. I slowed it down when we were interviewing her 
to acknowledge the kind of grief and grieving that she's doing right now. And it showed when I looked at her. It, it, uh, of course, she's human. Well, this is the attitude of a lot of caregivers. They're very selfless. They have their own histories that motivate them to become caregivers. Yes. Uh, usually, uh, their histories have, are fraught They have uh, with pain and trauma and crisis in their own lives, coming from cultures that emphasize caregiving for the elderly or the sick, like Fiji does, or Haiti. There's others, I know that. But um, what we're seeing is they're able to put themselves aside to a fault. And what they run into eventually is what we call burnout. Now, when we were given that offered a VA contract years ago, it had to do with preventing burnout. By the time we got there, we had 60 people in front of us that they were all burned out. They were shot. They had been through so much in Iraq and Afghanistan. Uh, we had every range of caregiver there. We had psychiatrists, doctors, caseworkers, nurses, I mean, you name it. Mm -hmm. And they were all on the front lines. They were embedded people, incredible people. By the time we got there, they were angry. Their lives were disintegrating, mm -hmm. uh, personal lives, they didn't, if they had them anymore. Yeah. Um, they were shot. They had had it. Self-care didn't come very, it didn't play into... The expectations but placed on them to perform their job. That's right. That and those always came is, first. And they also placed it upon themselves. It was both. They did. They felt a mission, and, and you respect that in them. Um, it's just that the mission needed to be expanded to taking care of themselves, it too. It did. And um, we, were late on the, we were late on the scene. Yes. But we developed a protocol for one year working with all of these folks so we did a, uh, the culmination was a workshop in New York City. Mm -hmm. um, and we had done a lot of work over that year to customize a program that would work for people who were working for the Veterans Administration. And that had its own bureaucratic problems at the time. That in itself caused crises and trauma for people. I remember that. And an additional burden. Mm -hmm. But we learned a lot. We did. We, well, since then, we refined it and learned so much more. And it's so much more personal now. Mm -hmm. um, I look at what I've seen in the last week is a concern of mine. And that is when caregivers reach a point of being burned out, the quality of their work has deteriorated considerably. They can become abusive, resentful, angry, uh, judgmental. They don't do good work anymore. And they're hurting people who are extremely helpless and vulnerable and frightened. It's not a nourishing or nurse, a nurturing relationship anymore. There's no very little compassion to it. And the relationship deteriorates. Now, the problem is it affects the person they're supposed to be taking care of, mm -hmm. who almost doesn't have any choice. They're so dependent. We've seen that a number of times this week that it disturbed me, that it had reached that point of deterioration. And what I realized is we've got to do, and we have got to get to, get down to the brass tacks of this of this broadcast about what it's time to look at for for caregivers. I've been passionate about this for many many years, but I realize I haven't communicated it as directly as it needs to be to uh, address now. Yes. And this information that we're going to convey today and talk about isn't something that has not entered our world and our consciousness. It was just the timing of it wasn't quite right for the broadcast. 
Well, now it is. Mm-hmm. And certainly this last week and what we saw and what we've seen, what we had to correct, what we'd had to intervene with, what we had to be supportive of, told me, you better talk to these people about taking care of themselves and what they need to learn about themselves so they can prevent this from from happening again. That's what we're going to talk about today. And And I'm just looking at a note here. It's time to talk about the body. And the body holds so much of the trauma and the pain that we're dealing with in others. We take on their energy. We're impacted by it. We have our own as well. And we seem to ignore a lot of the warning signs of what we're beginning to take on. Now, I know we've trained massage therapists and trauma workers, uh, teaching them how to be more sensitized to their own bodies, uh, to be sensitized to the triggerings. Now, I'll explain triggerings in a minute. Um, When they're actually working really hard to help another person and they're working with someone who's in such distress and such pain and carrying such load of such loads of negativity one way or another just goes with the territory but that the caregiver is taking it on the whole time what we're finding is and what we found then is people weren't even aware that they were taking it on until it was too late and when it was too late it meant they were they didn't even realize that their work was deteriorating they didn't have the energy to do the work and the and the, and the enthusiasm to continue on the way they started when they had started and they lost their passion and I've seen that over and over again over the years there's a way to prevent it there's an awareness there's a a sensitivity uh, about this that has to be developed people need to be trained and taught how to do this if they're going to be in this for the long haul if they're going to be resilient people And that doesn't mean they're not going to run into difficulties. I'll guarantee they're working with difficulties. It's how do they stay with it? How do they keep going? And that seems to be the trick that really escapes a lot of them. Um, While they're taking themselves down, their health, their well-being, their families, that's what needs to be addressed. And that's what we want to start addressing today. Anyway, I see that we're getting a signal and Jenny's ready and the technician's giving the sign. So what's next? You've been listening to The Survivor's Guide to Life on KPCA Petaluma 103.3 FM. We'll be back after a short break. Welcome back to The Survivor's Guide to Life. I'm your host, Jenny Stevenson. And today, our episode, uh, our first section of it, we introduced our topic, our title today, we didn't get that in, Mm. is Self-Care for All Caregivers. Um, We recognize that there's a number of caregiving roles uh, and uh, in 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 society and culture, but today we're really dialing down into the kind of caregiver role for people who are taking care of helping a, a person who has physical, emotional uh, needs, medical needs. And we're focusing in very much, uh, there's so many ways we could go with this, uh, but today we're focusing on the caregiver 
How do they preserve themselves? Mm -hmm. How do they avoid burnout? Mm -hmm. How do they continue in this role that they took on because they wanted to make a difference? Mm -hmm. And yet something may have overcome them. They've taken on too much. Uh, They haven't taken care of themselves and they're approaching burnout and everyone is suffering because of this. They're suffering. The person they care for is Mm -hmm. suffering. Um, And the key point you wanted to make uh, just before we went on our break Mm -hmm. is to look to the body. And if I could just throw in something, I think many people consider that upset, frustration, anger, um, burnout is maybe more of a head thing. Um, Maybe not everyone understands the connection between stress, emotional stress, and the body. And I think that this is a key point that we want to make sure everybody listening today can understand and, and get hold of, because then they can do something about this. Right. And I'm listening to you. You're very clear and concise. I like that. And there is plenty that can do about it. But the first thing is they've got to be aware that it's happening. Um, I'll give you an example. This week, uh, Jenny worked very diff- hard, with hard cases of, of situations. So did I. We got done. We did a full week mm-hmm. of work. And then we go on with her. She has her life. I have my life. But you know what? By Saturday, my body hurt so badly. And it was so rigid and stiff and, and aching. Um, I knew. <laughs> at that point, I didn't know what was emotional or physical. I just knew that I was hurting. But I also reflected on the week and the work we've done. And the difficult case situations we saw. As well as I'm taking care of my wife. And so are you. Mm-hmm. So are a lot of people. So I looked at that and I went, look at this. Look at the pain that we are absorbing and taking on with the work we're doing. We're not going to stop doing the work we do. The, the situations are getting more critical and difficult every, I think, every week. Uh, and I'm, in some ways, I am so pleased and so fulfilled and, and grateful that we're reaching people that really need help and we can help them. That doesn't take us out of the equation completely at all. Of course we can help them. We have the tools, we have the skills, lots of things. We have empathy from our own experience, from from lots of different areas of life that, have, that we have compassion. But who are we kidding? It hurts us too. So uh, I do things on the weekend. You, She likes to hike a lot. I ride my horses, I work out. Uh, I get body work done to me, for me. And if there's emotional backup, I take care of that too. Absolutely. I had years and years of mentoring and training and help for myself developing these skills. And so did Jenny. We help all of our staff, all of them. Uh, We don't let anybody slide because we know how destructive it is to, and and, uh, I think the word that comes up, comes to mind is, it clogs up the works. It is a good, a good, good way. You know, not real clinical or anything like that. Forget it's just, clinical, it's yeah. just realistic. That's what happens. It does, and that means we weren't going to be as effective, and we're not going to be as happy either, um, or resilient. And it's very important for us for not always happy, but certainly resilient. And that's so important to us. We want to continue and work. I'm as passionate. No, I'm more passionate today than I was years ago. 
because I see things happening that are so much more relevant and important. Yeah. Um, so anyway. Let so, me, let me, if I can interrupt, I want to go back because you've used a couple of phrases that I'd like to make sure mm-hmm. uh, just don't just sort of feel, sound like they're heading out into left field. And one of them is that you were talking about how as a caregiver, we absorb other people's pain. Mm-hmm. Also that you've also talked, described it as taking on someone else's energy. Energy, right. Yeah. Could you, uh, that might just sound kind of a, like a mystery to people. What do you, I, and, and I hear that you physically feel it in your body, and mm-hmm. I know that's true for me too. But how, is there a simpler way to kind of explain this? Yeah. I, well, I, I think so. I call it, you know, first of all, becoming aware of this trapped energy in our body. But emotional states, states have energy, and these energies manifest themselves in our body. I'll give you an example. I'll give you a couple examples. Uh, and certainly, anger and resentment come up so much when people are burned out, and how mm-hmm. it, and, and how that begins to manifest itself. But what does the energy in the body feel like when a person's really angry? I'll tell you what it feels like. Your muscles get tense. Your heart is, your chest is tight. Um, your your jaw is tight. Yeah, that's a big I'm one. I'm pointing to my jaw. That's yeah, a big one. Big jaw. Yeah. Big deal with the jaw. Um, you're, there's a, a, a hotness, a heat to anger and rage, a red hot, tight energy. Your mind is not receptive, and neither is your heart. You're on hyper alert, expecting trouble at any time. In fact, if you don't expect, you'll make it, and people can make it, and we've seen that happen. They're ready for battle. And there's not, we're not talking about a sensitive, receptive, nurturing state of being. We're talking about the energy that tightens the body, that armors it up, that closes the mind, that uh, prepares it for battle or, fu- or, run, or f- fight or flight. Uh, it, physiologically, it triggers a, a, a hormone in the brain uh, called uh, cortisol. Cortisol's trigger is part of the autonomic parts of the brain or the automatic side. Um, and that has a purpose that's normal, but what we're, not ta- what we're talking about now isn't. Uh, cortisol helps us for fight or flight, how we've, to survive. We've talked about the hyper alert state. And cortisol is what keeps you in hyper alert. And we've spent a lot of time working with that. Yeah. Well, it's not meant to be turned on 24-7. Well, when we go into a, where we've taken on a lot of negative energy, we start building resentment and anger. And the energy begins to impact our body and our reactions to it. Um, The cortisol that doesn't shut down will eventually exhaust us and we'll get into emotional and physical exhaustion. This actually will, it's it's beyond, it can be beyond exhaustion also into some kind of a breakdown in your body or getting sick or your immune system is depressed and you end up picking up all sorts of bugs and uh, that is a direct uh, result. Absolutely, and, and we see that a lot in caregivers. We have one on our staff now. She's been sick probably three or four times in the last six months. Yeah. We know the stress levels that she's on under. We, we monitor her. She's a very good caregiver and a very key part of our institute. Mm-hmm. But we, she, we've seen how much energy she's taking on of other people as well as her own energy that she's had from her own history being triggered and stimulated when she's helping others. It happens to everybody. 
This particular woman does not know, but she's not aware of it, that it's happening. She doesn't know how it's impacting her and changing the impact, her, her effect on her work until it's too late. I just want to point out that you brought in a new thought here now. What's that? That is not only the stress that people take on from their caregiving. It's what they bring to it on the inside. That we have on the inside. That we have on the inside from our history. Our histories, that's right. Uh, We have a predisposition to certain kind of reactions, certain memories, certain traumas, certain crises. They're there. And even if you've gotten a lot of help with it, you get yourself exhausted and depleted and you take on a lot of negative energy. Those areas will re-stimulate. And I don't care how healed you think you are. Those things begin to to re-stimulate. You're going to go back to old reactivity instead of becoming responsive. You're not going to be nurturing. You're not going to be nourishing and compassionate and loving anymore. You're going to start getting resentful and rigid and judgmental uh, and a number of other things that go with it. Um, the, the key really to preventing that isn't you can't erase your history. We can certainly diffuse it with our work, but you can't erase it. But you can learn to be sensitive and tuned into your own body and tuned into the energy states that you begin to get familiar with. If we're talking about, if you're an angry person, I've been, who are we kidding? I've had some a real history of anger in my past and violence. And that doesn't just disappear. Has it been a plague in my life? No. Can it be re-stimulated under certain conditions like it happened yesterday? It can happen. It didn't happen yesterday. I mean, it could happen like all the damage was done yesterday. (laughs) But no, it didn't happen yesterday. Not yesterday. No, yesterday I was good. Yesterday was a nice day. Yeah. But what I'm saying is when it's stimulated, it almost feels like the, the event happened yesterday and it could have been 50 years ago. That's what begins to happen. The energy, my body tightens, my muscles get aggressive and strong. I wasn't a flight person. I was a fight person. That's not exactly a nourishing and nurturing state. That's not the best state that I've strived. That's not the state you want to be in. You're describing triggering, too. I just want to throw in there that what we've been, the re-stimulation, that is a a triggering type of That's true, and I've learned from a lot of work on myself. to become sensitized to when that's happening to my body and what I'm beginning to feel. And I take care of it. I get it taken care of and I take care of it. It happens in one way or another to everybody who's a caregiver. Yes. The key is, are you going to ignore it to the point where it's going to really cause trouble? Or can you do something about it before it? Can you correct it? Can you turn that energy into something else? And the answer is absolutely Absolutely. And I've done that for, gosh, in this work, I've 49 years? Yes. Have I always been successful? I've done pretty good. Pretty good. Um, I'm not perfect at all. But I've done, I've been done pretty good with this work. And I'm not just surviving this work and existing. I'm thriving and growing and learning and improving by helping others all the time. So it can be, you can definitely turn this around. But Jenny's holding the, this up to mean <laughs> we need another break. It's, it's that time. You've been listening to the Survivor's Guide to Life on KPCA Petaluma 103.3 FM. We will be back after a short break.
Welcome back to the Survivor's Guide to Life. I'm your host, Jenny Stevenson, and we covered a lot in the last segment, and I just want to briefly kind of draw that together and say that we talked about uh, the, the, the importance of caregivers preserving themselves in their role and not allowing themselves to deplete until they are actually burned out. Mm-hmm. We talked about the stresses that come in as a caregiver and the demands. We talked about the things inside us that we bring to the job, uh, old experiences, old um, our history, uh, which may not always have been good. And we talked about triggering, about when things get re-stimulated in us based on things happening in the present. We talked about cortisol and the effect it has on the body and the way we can be depleted. And at the very end, we were talking about the importance, and I agree with this 100%, and I have learned about it from you, the importance of discovering our own early warning signs of the buildup of emotion, negative energy, um, stress in our bodies. Mm -hmm. I don't know that everyone really has a solid grip on how their bodies express or give these warning signs of a buildup of anger, frustration, maybe even fear or uh, negative emotions. And I know we've taught classes and tried to introduce this topic, and not everyone has really got a grip on it. And what you're saying is it's essential. It is essential. And I'm listening to you, and I'm, forgive me, I'm impressed how that you can bring this to such a concise uh, point and, and list it. I love that. I really appreciate how this. She's smart. Anyway, she's an engineer. Of course she can do that. That's what she does. But she does it well. And she does it with compassion and love and personal experience. She sounds really smooth and calm. and That's my job. And lovely, right? <laughs> but I know the other side of Jenny. And she's very strong. She's got plenty of charge. And uh, she can be pow- a powerful, she is a powerful woman. Yeah, but you can hear that she's learned how to deal with herself in a way, that she does not let these emotional states from her history and her past take her over and undermine something that she is committed to, and that's to becoming the best person she could be. She's striving to have a positive impact on others in need and striving to be a positive, loving, nourishing, nurturing person. And she is, and she's also very effective. Well, that's a commitment that she makes, and that means she works hard to stay attuned to her own body, her own emotions, her own psyche, her own spirituality. All of that comes into play, but she deals with it all the time. And as long as she does that, we don't have to worry about seeing the other side of Jenny, and trust me, I've seen it. There is another side. You don't want to see it or hear it. No, no. But really... She's an angel, and I don't, I'm not mislabeling that. But I know Jenny, and I know if she doesn't stay attuned to herself, there could be trouble. That could be true of all, all caregivers. Of us. All of us. All of us. Yes. The key is putting the effort in to get the help we need to develop that sensitivity and sensibility and attunement to ourselves. Mm-hmm. Okay, that's. Very, very important. Yes, and it can be done. It can be, and it we can do it all be. It the takes time. some practicing, and sometimes 
uh, I have. Everyone will slip up. Something just catches up with me that I'm not aware of. But I work very hard, and I ha- thank you for all you said. It's true. And uh, I have, I have through the years learned kind of what happens in me that that is an early warning sign that I need to uh, do something before I head down a road I do not want to go down. And believe me, we don't want her. To. No one wants you to. No, we don't yes. want her. To. But so she's she's uh, kiddingly she's. <laughs> She's terrific, and she does a great job. But I'm looking at what she's talking about, and she's talking about how to protect yourself as well. Yes. From taking on... No, she does take it on. We're I don't older. like going where I go when I'm not of doing well. No. And and every person... like I do believe people become to caregiving because they want to make a difference. Mm-hmm. And uh, when they no longer can... They don't like themselves either, and then it just snowballs. And mm-hmm. so it's it's important for people to learn this skill. This is a skill that can be learned if you are determined to practice it and you have the integrity to look at yourself. Okay. That's a, that's a big issue right there is integrity. And uh, facing the difficulties, there's a certain accountability in all of this, and that is if you're going to do this work, you got to be held to a higher level of accountability as far as keeping yourself straightened out. It's an ongoing, lifelong process. Yes. And it's not an easy one, and yet it is so worthwhile. Mm-hmm. And um, one of the things I look at in, as for caregivers is I consider them warrior angels. I do. And that means when they go to when they're working and helping somebody. I personally want them to give 100% of an effort to help the people they're helping. Now, that doesn't mean like a list of things to do only. I mean to be there 100% for that person that they're taking care of, to give it their best. And that means if they're dealing in a very distressing situation, boy, have we seen them this week. I live with it. Mm-hmm. With my wife, you live there with it because you love my wife. Uh and we also see so many others coming to us. And yeah. my gosh, the variety of distress is it's exha- it's an exhaustive list, but it's true. Yeah, our our work coaching and mentoring is a version of caregiving. It is an aspect of it. No yes. question. Well, one of the things that we we want people to do when they do their work is to do the best they can. We know the good workers and we know we have a network of I call them angels, they're just, and I don't mean it religiously. I mean, they're just such good people, mm-hmm. and they do such important good work. They deserve our support and our love, and to be part of our network, we're not, a, we're not an agency for caregivers. It's just that we have a very fine network of really good people, but we also work to help them learn about themselves so they don't burn out. So we, the lady who came today, what a lovely, a new, this is a new person. So mm-hmm. and we are going to include her in our network because she's a fine woman. Four days ago, the lady she's been taking care of for four, uh, two, three years just died. Mm-hmm. I had to slow down the whole thing. She didn't slow down. No, she I didn't. wanted to acknowledge her. Yeah. About she's grieving and she needs a little acknowledgement. And, I, and you know what? She, her whole expression and everything. Yeah. softened immediately. It did, and it just came with, with her being finally admitting, saying that she was tired. And we said, how, you know, what has happened? And she said, well, the person I was caring for passed away on Thursday. And I wanted to be there. We all wanted to be there. I did not sleep. 
um, for the last two days because I wanted to be there with her when she passed. And that was just an expression of her integrity, of her commitment, of her desire to to give and to serve and at her own expense. And now she she does need to do some care for herself. I know. You know, she's such a loving woman. Yeah. And that's what we look for. I softened. My heart softened right away with her, too. Yeah. And um, she she had me there. She got me there. Um, to see her commitment of love and compassion and nurturing, to me, is a spiritual stronghold of love. And I, it just it just touches me. I can't help it. Mm-hmm. And I appreciate people who do this to such a high degree. I put the, I consider them gold. And they're they're amongst us, and I I just love them. And she just turned turned out to be. We couldn't set her up with the person we were thinking of wanting to set her up with, not because of her, but because of where he was. But I'll tell you what, we made sure she knew she was going to be included in our network of of people and caregivers. Mm-hmm. And you could see right away she's going to be precious. So is her husband. When they come and we see this, that's it. And our and I'll tell you our network is expanding. Yeah. Um, but anyway, she came, but she's a strong woman. She says, I'm strong. And I said, you're also human. Yeah. And you've really been through a lot. What we're, I, I wondered, we're talking about nurturing and taking care of herself and taking care of yourself and protecting ourselves. But we need to also learn that when we go through these difficult times, we take on or we feel our own energies. She was yes. grieving. Yes. Okay. People need time to decompress their bodies. And we haven't gotten to this yet, and it's key. It's so, very yes. important. What do you do when you've taken on this load of stress and pain? You and need to decompress. Yes. You need to be able to face it and deal with it and de- uh, uh, get a catharsis, whatever it may take of crying, of ang- whatever it is. But you have to have your special place, your special people, your special time to take care of yourself. Now, when I said we expect 100% from our people, that means we're teaching them to push the pause button. That what that means very simply is you're going to give it a hundred percent, and you if you're tuned into yourself, you're going to know that your own pain, your energies, whatever of your anger, your sadness, whatever it is, is been triggered. You've taken on somebody else's serious distress. You can't get into it at that point. You've got to take care of the person in front of you. Mm-hmm. So what we're teaching people is. We're only asking you to push the pause button to do your work 100% for that person in front of you now. They need you, depend on you. Later on, you must decompress and get rid of this buildup of of, uh, bad energy or troubling energy. Mm -hmm. We teach people how to do it. The body is the key to resolving these traumas. Now, we do an awful lot of other things to go along with it, with mentoring and uh, guidance and skills but the body work is essential the body holds your history it holds your trauma yeah and we work on getting that addressed i want to make sure i want to make sure people get the point that pushing the pause button button is not burying what's happening you don't say i can't feel this right now i'm just going to bury it and uh just like sweeping something under the rug and figure I can't get into it, so I'm gonna just act like it's not there. That's not it at all. Um, 
the no in fact we've run into that with some of our staff it's they don't do it on purpose but they disconnect too much and uh, that's not what we're talking about either no, no no that's another problem that some people do which you call dissociating which is where people just kind of distance themselves from what's going on in them to the point where they may not even really know what's going on mm-hmm. and that's not what we're talking no about. and there are people that's a survival mechanism that's gotten stuck. It's part of some old trauma or old crisis. That particular type of reaction causes trouble in and of itself because they don't have that sensitivity uh, to themselves. And, and when they're really in bad shape, they don't have it to anybody. Yeah. So when that happens, that's another type of issue we have to address with caregivers. So that is important. Um, but we want to make sure those people get back connected with themselves so they can clear themselves about whatever's caused that. That takes some support and help. Mm-hmm. Now, we do that at our train, our institute for all of our staff. We do it for ourselves. Um, I'm told my voice is getting softer. Uh, Steve, the technician, just wrote it in bold letters. How soft am I? Am my voice too soft out there? It, he's right. Is it really? You, you were getting a little softer, yeah. No kidding. Yeah. Oh, I know why. It's a more serious No, because topic? I was touched by the lady that came oh, today. Oh, the lady who's greeting. Yes, and yes. I was touched by That's her That's true, grief. yes. And after that, I stayed soft because that was the effect she had on me. Yeah, yeah, I And that it. does happen. So yeah. I got to raise my voice again. Yeah. And that means... Just uh, in time for... You've been listening to the Survivor's Guide to Life on KPCA Petaluma, 103.3 FM. We'll be back, and Peter's voice will be back after a short break. Welcome back to the Survivor's Guide to Life. I'm your host, Jenny Stevenson. And in our last segment, we talked about the importance of developing the awareness of what goes on in your body when you've taken on a lot of stress and negative energy uh, to know yourself, know uh, what goes on, to learn a new technique called pushing the pause button. There are times when uh, we're triggered, old emotions come up, frustrations in the present come up, we're caring for someone, we can't act out on it. So we do what we call, you and I have come to call, pushing the pause button. And acting out can mean uh, becoming reactive rather than responsive. To the person you're caring for. Right, and if you're working with somebody with dementia or Alzheimer's, that can be very provocative. Uh, But the key is really not to... Not to do that. Not to be reactive. Yeah. 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 And I think I kind of I kind of uh, had a couple comments and took us a little bit away from uh, what is that that decompress that you talked about. So we've we're if we've pushed the pause button, knowing that we have lots of emotion in us and we're going to need to come back to it and decompress later. What is that? How do we do that? And um, what is how do we prevent ourselves from being reactive instead of responsive? There's okay, a couple I think of topics. I was just going to move into that a little bit. Yeah. Uh, first of all, the skills of our body work to help people recover from trauma. 
is what we utilize. Um, and that has a, a number of different ways that we do that, but they're very effective. Is my voice getting too soft? A little bit. Is it really? Okay. So uh, one of the things that to remember is if you have a, a chronic problem with anger and, uh, uh, and you're a person like myself who's a, a more aggressive type, you got to know that the stresses of caregiving will bring it out over a period of time. The cortisol levels will rise and you will become emotionally exhausted. When you're emotionally exhausted, you can become, your defenses are down, you become more vulnerable, more reactive, and it is human. Mm -hmm. The key really is you're not helping the person that's in front of you. So you want to keep that decompressed. You also have to become aware of what your body feels like when those old reactions of resentment or anger come up. Mm -hmm. Are you still the nourishing, nurturing, loving, compassionate person, or are you just going through the motions and yeah. becoming a performer? Yeah. Uh, you have to know what that feels like. Uh, I remember when I first got help with this, and I came to California after a very violent uh, lifetime in New Jersey. Um, I remember that on my chest just, God, it hurt a lot. And I was muscle bound. And I remember uh, I was going to my, get my master's. I was getting my master's at the time. And I was a poor student, college student. But I had tightness in my chest. And uh, I went to UC San Francisco to their clinic for poor people. Oh, uh-huh. That, that was me. You were concerned about your health. Tightness in my chest. Okay. And uh, I remember the, the doctor there, young doctor, he wasn't too smart himself. He looked at me and says, well, you're prone to get a heart attack at a very early age. By the way, I'm 73, so I'm doing all right. Yeah. Well, what he didn't realize was that there was a whole lot more that went into that. Um, that was a, a muscular tightness in my chest from all the bench pressing I've done and all the anger and rage I held in my chest and fear. When I finally had enough money and I was a practicing psychotherapist, I finally could afford to go get the right kind of help that I needed. Mm -hmm. I knew, uh, in fact, I had been in a PhD program for about two years, and I realized after working in a, I was a clinical director of a drug and alcohol program, that unless you deal with the body and I deal with mine, I'm never going to get better, no matter how clever and bright and uh, clinically sophisticated these therapists were, it sure wasn't going to work for me. I changed my entire PhD program. I started all over again, and I wanted to incorporate understanding the body and body work. And I was so glad I did it because it helped me get the kind of help that I needed. Well, interestingly, that one of the first sessions of this I had, um, I had, I'll bet you I hadn't cried in 35 years. I was a tough guy, but I had so much pain in me. And I remember the practitioner, too, who turned out to be quite a mentor in my life. Thank you. I will always be grateful to him. Uh, did the kind of work we do today. Certainly, we're much more sophisticated at it now than we were then. Um, my chest felt like it was blowing up. It got so tight and blown up during this t session that we did. Uh, and I remember all of a sudden, he put a little pressure on my chest, and I just began to break down. And I cried and cried and cried. I also began to have memories of how I had to learn to be so defended in the kind of life I grew up in on the streets of New Jersey. And this started early in my life. 
But those fears that I had, um, I felt my life was on the line for a long time, even as a kid, caused me to armor up and develop a shield to mm-hmm. protect myself from getting hurt externally. Yeah, and this was your your body itself was becoming ar- what you call armored. Absolutely, and also also so I didn't have to feel uh, so vulnerable and exposed. Well, my body got chronically tight, especially my chest, which was like a shield. Well, when the 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 memories of that came out in the pain, my chest softened immediately. And I began to realize what was causing that distress. It wasn't the muscle building. It was the old memories that I had never really resolved to let go of. But I began to understand my body, too, and how it, what it felt like mm-hmm. when either these things were stimulated or when I was uh, uh, absorbing too much anger or, to, or coming to my own place of, of anger and rage. I, I know what my body began to feel like. I would definitely get help in diffusing that so it didn't affect my work. Mm -hmm. And thank you, Lord, that I did it because I was able to become a very successful psychotherapist as a quite a young man because I had such excellent help in mentoring. Mm -hmm. And I was able to keep that stuff out of the way and not hurt anybody with it and um, become quite resilient. But I had an awful lot of help at that time. This is what we want to do for caregivers today. Yes, yeah. And we want to we want them to understand that okay, we're talking about the negative impact and the energy negative impact of anger and resentment and bitterness that comes with burnout. But I want to tell you something that can be converted into the energy of love and compassion and nurturing and caring. Yes. Absolutely. That has a completely different energy to it, though. You, you describe it as kind of a nourishing energy. Nourishing. The energy is soft. There's a, a soft-heartedness, an open-mindedness, a tenderness, a caring, a loving, a sweetness to it, a warmth to the body. It's a very, very nice place. That's energy, too. Can you convert the anger, the bitterness, the resentment to that place? And the answer is absolutely. Mm-hmm. You have to diffuse that anger if it's really charged up and locked up and stuck, which we know how to do. But what we want to do is bring people to a place of softness again and vulnerability, a caring, safe, loving place. Mm-hmm. Now, I remember uh, when we were dealing with Navy SEALs, one of the questions that I think it was in command they asked me is, well, that's really nice, but our guys got to get back to other missions, they can't go back like that. What do you do? Mm -hmm. And I remember telling him, we can get them put back together and armed up again, but it's appropriate. In other words, we can get to the place where they can be very effective warriors, but also where it begins to, when it's over, they can can deplete and decompress the energy from that and come back to a softer place, which we called normal self-regulation, mm-hmm. where the cortisol levels come back down, the body softens. Um, is what I said. Really? You're, you're They're telling me my, little, little my voice is getting too soft. Yeah. I'd like to, hey, you know, you guys out there, you could tell me. <laughs> um, anyway, so, but we had to learn to help them get to a place of self-regulation where they let go. And yes. they could soften up and enjoy themselves again and recharge and become resilient. Yes. That's what we taught people to do. We look at caregivers as warriors of a different type. Mm-hmm. They have to learn the same capabilities, and they're going to be on the front lines for a long time. 
They want we to, want to yes. make sure they are. Yeah. And to keep their resilience just like I've been doing and yeah. like you do. Yeah. So that's why we're beginning to do this series. Um, let we, me add. Let me add something go too. Ahead, go ahead. Um, we were talking about this this mm-hmm. morning um, uh, with some of the other caregivers uh, taking care of of of, of Lynn, and uh, one of them, Kelly, was pointing out that yes, there's the the negative uh, the negative energy that that can be that buildup of anger, bitterness, and resentment, mm-hmm. um, but there's also, like you said just a moment ago, that positive energy. There's the experience when you are not stressed, overwhelmed, in pain, angry, frustrated. There's that experience of caring for someone when because you are clear of those negative emotions, you can truly be giving, empathetic, compassionate, and the energy you give comes back to you. That's true. Uh, you feel the gratitude or the um, the connection with the person you're mm-hmm. caring for. You see the difference that you make, that, that they feel cared for and loved and safe, that they are enjoying being with you. There are moments like that that are so rewarding, and they are positive energy that comes in. And if you are in a place close to burnout, you can't. You can't get there. No. One of the things, one of the characteristics that I think is so uh, foundational in this compassionate state is a state of of unconditional love. One of the things that Jenny's uh, talking about that is so important is the reciprocation of this loving, nourishing, caring, healing exchange. It is a relationship. It's a beautiful relationship. And this, I'm not talking about people who aren't under stress because we face very difficult, our caregivers, uh, dealing with my wife, dealing with so many others. Oh, no, there's distress and there's difficulty. It's the bottom line, unconditional love and caring that really has a, 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 such a healing, supportive uh, reciprocity to it. Mm-hmm. There's a gratitude. I have heard my wife so many times in her state of deterioration, expressing gratitude and appreciation. And that's not true of every caregiver mm-hmm. I know at, that they hear those things. I hear them from Lynn, and it is always so touching. And to know that I have made her day better in some way, that she has felt cared for and understood, and um, that is a wonderful feeling. Wonderful. I just reading. I say our clients will benefit, will be more resilient and effective, and will become more fulfilled by the work and efforts that we give and do. Our connection will be mutually fulfilling, nourishing, satisfying, and we won't become exhausted and burned out. We will have to learn, and this is the truth, and grow in a way of integrating all the things we're talking about, our emotional state, our physical state, our spiritual state, out of ourselves for, for the rest of our lives. We, it's really being committed to that process of becoming the most loving, positive people we can be. Mm-hmm. It doesn't mean we're going to become bland, shut down, uh, just <laughs> it doesn't mean anything like Performing. that. Performing. We're not going to be nothing doing that. Like that. No. And you'll always have the capacity when your system gets a read that you better protect yourself to be able to do that. That mm-hmm. doesn't disappear, 
but it comes up when it's appropriate and it shuts down when it's appropriate. Right. We're talking about true resilience under real high level distress. Yes. So we want to convey that to all your caregivers today. We want you to hear that we love you and appreciate you and it's time for you to start taking care of yourselves if you really want to stick this stick to this profession which we feel is growing exponentially and so is the need. So please take what we're have, talking about today seriously. Um, take care of yourselves. For you who have burned out, get some help. And we know there's plenty of burned out caregivers out there. And if you need us, we're here to help you. And uh, anything we can do for you, we'll be glad to do it. All our best to you and your efforts. Thanks for listening today. When we will return to this topic, I'm sure this is going to be a, a strong part of what we're talking about now, self-care for all caregivers. You've been listening to the Survivor's Guide to Life on KPCA Petaluma 103.3 FM. I'm Jenny Stevenson. If you'd like to know more about our show or about Dr. Bernstein, Peter, please visit our website at thesurvivorsguidetolife.com. We are on Facebook and Instagram. Please visit and like and share. Uh, we're on iTunes, Spotify, Stitcher, and SoundCloud. Thank you for joining us, and we hope that we have been of some help and inspiration to you today. Please join us again next time. All our best to you.